Today's reading comes from 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with, the, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. This is a word of the Lord. Well, again, good morning and welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here today. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors. It's, it's good to be together. It's good to, to continue on in this series. If you're new here, um, it's been interesting, this series. Uh, it's been a hard one, um, but I'm excited to be able to be here and to be part of it with you as we look at yet another vice and virtue, uh, another deadly sin. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump in. This morning, God, I am so grateful uh, that you have called us as your people to, to do these things together, that you have not left us alone in them, um, and not only with one another, but you through your spirit at work within us. Um, and so, God, I pray that as we open your word today, I pray that we would hear your voice, um, God, that you would uh, convict us of our, of our sins. God, help us to see how deadly they are. Um, but Lord Jesus, please don't leave us there. Um, yes, convict us, but would you also show us how uh, your blood is the answer, your death and resurrection on our behalf, uh, not only gives us forgiveness, but also even motivates and empowers us through your spirit to live the life that you've called us to. God, we long for that as your people. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So, three weeks from today, we leave on our family adventure. I know I've mentioned this already. I just can't stop. I love it. The Grand Tetons, that's our first stop. Uh, three weeks from today, we're going to leave right after church, drive. Oh, man, I, like, I just I can't wait. Like, I love, I love being outside, camping, nature, national parks, mountains, hiking. Like, you, you name it. Like, this just, it just kind of makes me a little bit giddy. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and, and one of the fun things about, like, driving to the mountains, some of you, you know, you've had this experience, is that you, you see them from such a far distance, right? They're just sort of out there on your drive. They begin beckoning you, right? Calling you forward. Like, you just can't miss them. Like, they're so obvious. You know you're headed in that direction. You can point it. Yes, that, that is where we're going. You know it. You can't miss it. Now, now a couple of years ago, uh, we drove to the Grand Canyon, which is a very different experience. Um, man, I don't know if you've, if you've done that before, but like, it just kind of sneaks up on you, doesn't it? I mean, like, you, you're, you know, you're driving for hours along the interstate and still nothing. Uh, you get off the highway and these back roads, seems like middle of nowhere, nothing. You enter the park. Like, you pay your fee and you're like, I mean, where is it, right? I mean, because you know it's massive, it's huge, and you can't, like, you're just, you, nothing. And, and finally, like, you take that, that last turn and you practically drive into it. It's just all of a sudden, it's there. And it's unbelievable. Like, no picture, like, if, nothing possibly can adequately describe the immensity of that canyon, like, standing there and just looking out at it. It's unbelievable. And yet, you almost missed it. Like, you couldn't even see it. It just sort of sneaks up on you. And then, all of a sudden, there, there it is. And hold, hold that thought because we've been, we've been in this series on the, the vices and virtues, right? These seven deadly sins and their, their corresponding virtues. And we, we've said throughout this series, they're not the worst thing that you can do. They're the habits that form you, that shape you. It's the person that, that you're becoming 
in them, right? That, is, that makes them so, so deadly. And, and you see, there are, there are Grand Teton sins and there are Grand Canyon sins, aren't there? Like, they're, they're the, the Grand Teton sins. Like, you know, like, that's, I shouldn't do that, right? You see them coming ways, a ways off in your life. You know, like, if you take Jesus seriously, like, I, you know you don't want to go there, right? You're going to avoid that. You're going to do anything to fight against that. And so it's, it's big, it's obvious, and you're just, you're going to avoid it. But these, these vices, these seven deadly sins, I mean, they are much more of the, the Grand Canyon variety, aren't they? Man, they sneak up on you. I mean, you, you could almost swear that, no, I don't. I don't deal with that. I don't start with this. This is not my problem. You know, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation or, or something happens in your life and something comes out, right? And all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, where, where, where was that from? Because these, these deadly sins, we can hide them. Uh, we can ignore them. We can brush them under the rug as not that big of a deal. It's just these little tiny things. And yet closer and closer and closer we get to this massive, deadly canyon. I mean, envy, anger, I mean, sloth, like, really? Those are somebody else's problem, aren't they? We almost never see them coming. And then, wham, that's why they're deadly. And this, this seems especially true with the deadly sin of greed. Yes, you heard right, greed. Aren't you glad you came to church? Oh, man, this is a favorite. Yeah, I, I heard that. That's good. That's good. Um, now, let's just thank God right out of the gate that none of us in this room are greedy, right? <laughs> Woo! I mean, we all know greedy people, right? We probably know lots of them. You could name them right now, um, but none of us. Right? You, nobody ever thinks they're greedy. Nobody does. So thank goodness we're fine. Uh, maybe you can say to yourself, like, well, I'm not greedy. I don't even have that much, right? I'm not greedy. I work hard for my stuff. I'm not, I'm not greedy. I, I just like nice things. I'm not, I'm not greedy. I, I want to be generous. I just can't right now. I'm not greedy. I don't want a lot. Just a little bit more as we edge closer and closer to the cliff. There it is. And if we learn one thing this morning about Greed Canyon, I hope it's this. Like if you take one thing from you, we're going to say a lot about out of, out of this text this morning, but if you take one thing with you, I hope it's this. When it comes to greed, the more you want, the less you'll have. When it comes to greed, the more you want, the less, the less you'll have, really. And you and I are probably greedier than we think. So on that note, uh, turn to 1 Timothy 6 if you haven't already. If you have a Bible with you, there's lots of places. I mean, it's, frankly, it's shocking how many places in Scripture we could look to talk through this. But we're going to look at 1 Timothy 6. And as we, as we look at this text, we're going to see three things. As Paul kind of walks us through this, first, first we're going to see that, that greed promises happiness but can never be satisfied. That's the problem, right? Uh, second, he's going to show us the solution that, that what we're looking for is already offered to us. That's the second thing. And then third, as Paul gets practical with us, we're going to see that we'd better, 
we better start giving it away before we have nothing left. Sounds fun, I know. All right, so first, first greed promises happiness but can never be satisfied. In fact, in fact Paul tells us in those first few verses um, that the greedy person, first they destroy their own chance at happiness, right? You just can't be happy if you're greedy. It's not possible. Uh, second, they begin to destroy the relationships and any encounter with another human around them, ultimately. And then, and then finally, they even destroy their, their faith. They destroy their relationship with God. Look, at, look again at verse 6. Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. And you got to stop there because you just, I mean, you got to appreciate even how Paul says it. He doesn't say those who are rich, right? those who have a lot or those who have a little. Right? He says those who desire to be rich. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you have in this conversation. Any one of us can be, can be greedy. It's, it's, not, it's not about how much, how much we have. It's just, it's that, it's that desire, that, that longing. And so I kind of, I just want to begin with a confession. I know how awkward this is. Um, so let me just start here. I like money. Anybody else? You don't have to, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kevin, thank you. Um, right, I like money. I like, I like what money does for me. I like the way it makes me feel. I like the stuff that I can do or buy with money. Like, I like money, and if I'm honest, like, I would like just a, just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit. I don't need much, just, just more. And, and the reason I want to start there is because I, I've sat in your seats before, right? And I know what it's like. Here we are in church. Some of you know me. Others of you don't. Either way, right? I just said you have a money problem. Uh, you're probably smart enough to figure out that at some point we're going to talk about giving said money away, right? <laughs> and, and so most of us, like, no matter what, like, you're just a little bit uncomfortable, aren't you? Like, let the, let the squirming begin. This is, this is hard stuff. And I just want to, I, like, I want to call it out. Like, this message is as hard for me to, to give as it is for you to hear. I, please hear that. This is hard for me. I like money and stuff and all that comes with it, okay? I, I understand the, the challenges here. This is, this is, I stink at what Paul says, but here's the deal. Like, we believe together as a church that God has spoken through these pages, don't we? And so we, we believe that whatever is laid out here for us is better than any alternative. And so we have to talk about it. Besides, you and I both know, like I would be a lousy pastor and Christ's community would be a lousy church if we didn't talk about money. Wouldn't we? I mean, really? Because we know, we know how enticing it is. We know how dangerous these things are. We know how easy it is for any one of us to fall off the cliff. We have to talk about it. We're just in too much danger. And if you heard what Paul says here, right, greed promises so much, but really just it delivers death. First, we destroy ourselves. I mean, you notice the emphasis in those first few verses on contentment, right? Ah, contentment. I mean, that's what we want. Oh, to be content, like just happy. Like that's, that's the dream, isn't it? But the reality is greed is the opposite, which is why the greedy person can never be happy. Like if greed lives in your heart, you will never be happy because greed always says just a little bit more. It's always pushing off happiness to the next thing, the next promotion, the next purchase, the next whatever. And you will, like if greed lives there, you will never be satisfied. Verse nine, again, those who desire 
to be rich. Just the desire, right? Does that describe anybody here? Oh, man. Maybe a little bit, right? Sort of reminds me of the, uh, the Bruno Mars song. You know the one, right? Don't you? Let's, maybe just a little bit. Let's listen. I want to be a billionaire, so... Yep. Um, <laughs> that's literally all we can show of that song. Um, that's it. That's all you get. Um, and maybe don't go watch the video later uh, if you don't know the song. Uh, don't do that. Um, but, like, that's what greed sounds like in my head. Bruno Mars. Oh, I mean, that guy. Like, the voice is so perfect. Like, that's what it sounds like inside me when I'm, when I'm feeling greedy, when the reality is, like, this is probably a little bit more accurate. Let's watch. Yeah, that, that, that probably fits a little better, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the problem. It's like none of us in here think we're greedy because it sounds like Bruno, right? But we could pick out greedy people in a heartbeat because what it really sounds like is just this constant incessant demand for more, for mine. And the greedy person can never be happy. It destroys ourselves. Then, then it doesn't stop there. It destroys our relationships. Verse 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root, like at the root of the tree, right, of all kinds of evil. So much evil grows out of this one little root. Strong words, but we know it, right? You don't have to be a Christian to know that, right? Like we see it all the time, the, the, the source of so much pain and heartache and selfishness comes out of this desire for money. I mean, think about it. how many people have been cheated because of money? How many, people, how many lies have been told? How many people have been abused? How many humans have been trafficked? How many, how many murders? How much violence? How many wars? Like how many families have been wrecked out of this? How many children ignored? How many times have you and I turned our back simply because it was easier to go after more? Or we preferred ignorance over knowing what's really behind some things. Injustice and greed, they always go together. It always takes over and ends up affecting the way that we view the people around us. In fact, Rebecca DeYoung, in her great work on the vices, she says, the hallmark of well-entrenched greed is a willingness to use people to serve our love for money rather than the use of money to serve our love for people. It's a pretty warning sign when somebody, another human becomes a tool to your financial success. But greed doesn't even stop there. It goes, it goes so much deeper, this, this canyon, verse 10, it even destroys our faith. It's through this craving, this desire to be rich, that some have wandered away from the faith. Like, do you, do you just like, let that sink in for a second. Paul is calling out, even there in the first century, it is through this desire for more that some people have walked away from Jesus. People who were with him, who saw him, who experienced him, saying, you know what? It's heartbreaking, isn't it? 
Of course, it makes sense. Because if you're greedy and you don't get, get what you want, right, you'll end up hating God because he hasn't given you enough, right? Or worse, maybe, maybe you do get what you think you want and then you don't really need God anymore, right? I can fix my own problems and take care of my own life. I'm happy without you, thank you very much. And I know, I know at this point, plenty of us assume this sermon is just about somebody else, right? Man, I wish so-and-so could hear it. We don't see the canyon up ahead. But here's, here's a good rule of thumb I've, I'm trying to embrace with my life, just a, a basic assumption about who I am as a human, that I am greedier than I think I am. Just to like start there, because the reality is if nobody in here thinks they're really greedy, like I don't really have a problem, and the Bible says so much about greed, like there's got to be a discrepancy somewhere, right? And it's probably with us, isn't it? Just assume you are greedier than you think you are. I certainly am. Because you can be poor, but greedy, right? Obsessed with money. You can be rich and greedy. Everyone is susceptible, young and old. And so before we go on, ask yourself, what do you see in your heart? Like, are you content with what you have? And if not, what's the thing that you're just, you're waiting for? Like, well, once we get here, then, like, two more days and Amazon will ship that package from tomorrow. Like, what, what is the thing? And like, how's your track record with that? How many times have you said, no, this will do it? And yet now here you sit still saying, yeah, no, just, just, just one more. The more you want, the less you'll have. For example, have you ever uh, kind of heard the old like how to catch a monkey thing, like a monkey trap? Anybody? I don't know. Whatever. You are now. Um, I mean, essentially, uh, it's, it's been documented that you, you don't use a glass vase, actually, uh, but this is just sort of an, an example. Like you make something, a trap sort of like this, where the opening is large enough for an open hand, you know, to go on through. Uh, and you put a little treat or something that the monkey wants on the other side, and so they, they go in trying to get their little whatever, uh, and they grab it, but then you can't, once the fist is closed, like, I mean, you can't get it out, right? And studies have shown, like, the monkey will not let go. Like, he, he wants it so bad that he will sit there for hours and hours just fighting against the trap. And, I mean, think about that, like, the trap really isn't the problem because all he has to do is just like let go, right? And you slide it on out. It's not that hard, right? It's not the trap's problem. It's not even the thing that's inside it that's so, so appealing. I mean, the problem there in that situation is the monkey's greed, isn't it? And I know what we're thinking, right? Because I'm thinking like stupid monkey, right? <laughs> Humans, yeah! <laughs> yeah, but we know better, don't we? How many of us are in a trap right now? stuck. Poor choices we've made, things we've gone, that have gone wrong, or just even the continual longings that will not cease in our hearts. But all you got to do is just learn to open your hands. Let go. Well, it's easier said than done. This is why this next thing is, is so important. Because um, the solution that Paul points out here is just, it's so good. Like, it's not a matter of just saying, like, money's bad or stuff is bad. Of course not. We wouldn't say that. It's, it's that what God offers us, like, what he's promising through, our, through with his word, it, like, what we're looking for, you and I, is already promised to us. That's, that's the solution. Because none, none of us are looking for money. I mean, not really. Right? You don't just want piles of money. You don't want to just, like, go and, like, Scrooge McDuck for a while. I mean, it looks fun, right? You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, I grew up with DuckTales. I mean, it, it looks kind of enjoyable, but that's not what we want to do. Like, that's not why we want money. We want money for what it promises us, don't we? We, we want it for what, it, what it's offering to us. That's what sucks us in, because money tells me I can be safe, doesn't it? I can, be, I can fix most of my problems with money. I, I can feel in control of my life. I can think that I have it together. I can be my own person, right, with a little bit of money. Money tells me I can be important, or at least look important, successful, admired, loved, can make me into somebody. Money promises to make me happy, doesn't it? Ah, oh, it'll satisfy me, won't it? And listen, again, there is nothing wrong with money. It's okay to have money, make money, spend money, save money. Money is not the problem. The problem is that money is a liar, and I believe it. Because money, money promises me these, these things, and yet everything money promises, Jesus promises even more and better. Look at verse, verse 11 as Paul continues. He says, but as for you, O man of God, he's writing to Timothy, he's a pastor uh, there in the first century. He says, O man of God, flee these things, like this, this desire, this love for money. Pursue righteousness instead, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, these virtues. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Then, then skip down a little bit. Look how he refers to our God. He calls God the, the one who is the blessed and only sovereign, like over everything. The King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in inapproachable light, who no one has seen or, or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. For the problem is that we make money our king when Jesus, he's the king of kings. Like, he promises to keep you safe. Like, you know that, right? Whether you lose everything, even if you lose your, your life. Like, if you're with him, he promises to keep you safe. You think money's going to do a better job? He, he promises to, to make you into somebody. I mean, like, think of, if you're with Jesus... God is the God of everything. The one who made all of it is now your father. You're a son or daughter of him. Jesus is your brother. Like, is money going to do better than that? And he promises to, to actually satisfy, to give us a joy that, that runs deeper than just the trivial things or, or the temporary things that actually, actually fits the longings of our hearts. He promises that. And so, friends, it's not just that greed is wrong. I mean, it is, okay. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It's that if you're a follower of Jesus, greed doesn't even make sense. Like, it's, a, it's just, it's illogical to think, like, what is wrong with me, Nathan, that I would actually believe the lies of money over the promises of Christ, of the God who came and gave his life for me? And the only way, then, to fight greed... So if we've seen the problem, the solution is changing our way of thinking, understanding, no, Jesus promises so much more and better. But then practically, how do we begin to live this out? The way we fight our greed? Here it comes. You knew it was coming, right? It's to start giving before you have nothing left. Like give now, give quick, before, before stuff takes over, before money consumes you. Give till it hurts and then give some more. And that's the real paradox, isn't it? Like the more you want, the less you'll have. Okay? Even though like, you're hoarding, you're taking, like, you'll probably end up with way more. And yet the more you give, the more joy you'll have, even though you'll probably end up with way, way less materially. I mean, look at, look at verse 17. Again, this is how Paul applies it. Right? He says, as for the rich in this present age. Oh, the rich. He's talking about those people. Woo! Right? 
I mean, come on, right? If like Paul was here and he looked at us, like we are the rich, right? Most of us, like historically, culturally, like Paul would be like, yeah, yeah, you guys, right? I mean, you know that, okay. I just want to be clear. Um, as for everybody in this room, <laughs> we'll just say that, most likely, culturally, um, charge them not to be haughty, uh, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. I mean, you can't count on them anyway, right? But on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I mean, even just think about that. Like, we have what we need, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying our possessions or opportunities. Don't miss that, right? It's okay to enjoy them, to, to enjoy God's blessings in our lives and to utilize them well. It's just that we can't make that the end, right? It can't stop there, because then Paul says in verse 18, right? They, the rich... We are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the future, so that we may take hold of that which is truly life. Friends, there is just no substitute in the fight against greed like giving it away. There's, there's no better discipline or tool to lose the tyranny, the enslavement to money and things, like giving. And again, I, I know what it looks, sounds like, you know, sitting in church. I knew a church just wants my money, right? I've sat in your seat, and I, I understand that. And, and we've said this before, maybe you've heard us say this, and I know it, it sounds a little bit just a little bit too cute, but we've said this often, right? That when we talk about giving as a church, it's, it's not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. I know, right? Little, little cutesy. But let that sink in. I mean, we, we believe that here. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, if, if greed really is the problem that Paul describes here, and if you and I, each of us, are so very susceptible to it, like, we have to talk about it. We have to fight against it. If, if our souls, not just our pocketbooks, our souls are actually at stake. And God says this, here, try this. Here's the cure to your problem. How could we not listen? Because in the very act of giving, I mean, whether I have nothing and can only give a few bucks or you have everything and you can give a ton, it does, it's not the point, Right? It's that every time I stretch out my hand to give, it gets just a little bit easier. And then you do it again. It's a little bit easier. And yeah, maybe not by the end of this week are you going to become a generous person, right? But maybe in a year, maybe in a decade, time after time after time, over and over and over gets a little bit easier. Like I, I could actually maybe become just a little bit of this person that I, I long to be so bad. Because we want to be generous people, don't we? We want to have hearts filled with generosity towards others. The best way to get there is practice over and over and over again. It, it frees us from the tyranny of more. It's like, it's like teaching the monkey how to drop the stupid treat. I know some of you, for example, recently went through Dave Ramsey's financial piece. We offered that at uh, multiple campuses and, and here for one, for one of them just recently. And, and whether you were in the class or not, like, if you know anything about Dave Ramsey, I mean, first of all, he's kind of like the money guru. He comes at it from a, a biblical worldview. But, like, his big thing is, like, get out of debt. Like, if you've ever, like, turned on his radio show, like, that's, that's his thing. Like, get out of debt. Don't have debt. Avoid debt. Hate debt. Burn and bury. Like, get it out, right? Like, that's, that's his, his mantra. 
But what's so amazing is that he also says at the same time, and be generous. Which, like, if you're sitting in the class, I mean, you're kind of like, okay, Dave, um, I can get out of debt or I can be generous, but like, I can't do both. And he knows the challenges there. He's not, he's not naive, but here's why it's so important. It's because he, he knows that if you just pay off your debt without becoming generous, you haven't solved anything. Because whatever has led to your debt in the first place, and in particular, I'm talking consumer debt, like greed-based debt, this quest for more kind of debt. Like if you haven't dealt with what's going on in your heart, you're just going to be back there. Or you can pay it off, but you're going to find yourself in the same place. The only way to ensure that it doesn't happen again is to give, is to be free. Besides, we're created to be generous. We were made in the image of a God who gave everything, who created this incredible world for us. And when we messed it up, sent his own son who poured out his own life on our behalf. I mean, and we're made in his image. That means it's in our nature to give. I mean, this is, this is why I'm convinced that any recent like sociological or neurological study, and a lot of research is done on sort of the, um, what happens in our brains and in our lives when we're, when we're generous. And you can read articles in the New York Times. Um, I could send you uh, links to the books that have been published from the researchers at Notre Dame. I mean, people who, who know their stuff and every study is the same. Generous people are happier people, hands down. Generosity makes us happy. I mean, you've heard the old adage, you can't buy happiness. It's true. But strangely, weirdly, right, you can get happiness by giving it away, giving money and stuff away. And there are times when I literally have to tell myself that. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I'm like sitting at my computer, like dreaming about the next vacation or ready to put purchase, push purchases on something or, or I get a request from something to, to give and to, to be generous or I see a need, right? I have to, I have to literally stop. Nathan, you know, you know it's not gonna make you happy, right? Not ultimately. Whereas this other thing, well, could. I mean, Jesus did say it's happier to give than to get. I mean, tell that to my kids around Christmas, right? This is hard. And so maybe at this point, maybe you see your greed, or the, the root of it somewhere in your life. And maybe you even see, as I do, the destructive force that it is. And maybe, maybe you're even like, man, I, I, want, I want to do better. I want, I want to be generous. But maybe you're struggling with how. Let me just offer three uh, quick tips that have helped me. There's lots that can be said here, and there are people way smarter than I am at this. Um, but three things that have helped me personally um, as I think about wanting to be generous. First, I know for me, if I want to be generous, I have to watch my lifestyle because it just creeps, doesn't it? I mean, so many things. I mean, I should list out sometime like all the things that used to be luxuries in my life that now I just completely take for granted. Like they're just every day and not even a big deal, right? But they used to, at one point, they were, they were luxuries. And it, it is so freeing to remind myself regularly that I don't have to live at the same income level as my peers, I don't, I don't have to, to live at the same income level as my neighbors or the people who make the same amount of money as me. Like that's freeing to say, I don't have to keep up with them to drive the same cars or go on the same vacations. And one of the, one of the best ways to keep an eye on your lifestyle is with an old-fashioned budget. Ugh, this sermon just got so lame, right? <laughs> no, it was lame way before that. Um, but here's, here's the deal, right? Lame or not, I don't really care. You'll never be generous unless you plan to be generous. It just won't happen. 
I mean, not as much as you could, right? It takes, it takes planning and hard work to, to sacrifice for others. And, you know, Kelly and I, we've done, a, we've done a lot of things wrong, and we have a long, long way to go, but one of the things that has been in the process of good in our lives, we, 15 years ago, before we got married, we made a budget. It was shocking how little was on it. Um, but right at the top was how much are we going to give away every month? And we've tried to do that with our kids now, right, of, you know, setting their, with their, in fact, uh, second service, I saw a kid, a little, little tiny kid, come in with a little jar of money and walk right over and put some money in the offering box because it's making it a little bit easier, right, and starting young. And we did that together 15 years ago, and it's hard still. <laughs> but it's not as hard as it was. And don't, when, when you're doing it, part of the, the thing of the budget is, like, don't just give the leftovers. Like, give first out of an overflow of what God has done for you. So first, yeah, watch your lifestyle. Second, uh, start small but never stop. Start small, but never stop. I mean, none of, it, none of it belongs to me anyway, right? It's just a good basic rule of thumb. Everything is God's. So it's already his. Like, so, you know, we don't have to argue about that. It's his, 100%, not uh, some other small percentage. Um, so find a place to start giving, but never settle for where it is. Always push towards more. Because I know what some of you are thinking right now. Um, I can, like, you know, telepathically hear the question, um, actually, it's just the question that I always have in these moments. It's like, Nathan, just tell me how much, right? Just tell me how much I have to give. But like, do you even see how greedy that question is? I mean, maybe not for, me, for you, but for me, it is. Because really what I'm saying and asking that question is, can you just tell me the minimum? Like, tell me the lowest place I have to live and let me maybe try to get close to the minimum, right? That's, that's kind of how we do. But I love what, what C.S. Lewis writes. I mean, I've used this quote before. I'm not going to uh, read the whole thing to you. Um, but basically says that the only safe rule of thumb is to give more than you can spare. Like, if you want to know how much, that's, that's the answer, more. That's, that's more than you can spare. And he goes on and says that there, there, if, if, our, if our giving does not pinch us or hamper, if it doesn't hurt, then we're doing something wrong. And the worst part, he says, like, if there ought to be things in your life and mine that you want to do, you want to own, you want to have, but you choose not to. Like legitimate, I want that, but I'm going to say no because I'd rather be generous. I'd rather live this life. I mean, it's only generous if it hurts. Rebecca DeYoung, again, she's been so helpful in all of these vices, at least for me as I've read through her work, but searching for greed's antidote, she writes, perhaps the best advice is the oldest tithe. Ugh, right? You thought the budget part was lame. Um, tithe. Now, let me, let me say a couple things about that quickly. Because um, we get hung up and Christians kind of, kind of debate on it. And, and, you know, the New Testament doesn't actually ever make a, a rule that we are to give 10% a tithe. Um, and so, there, I mean, there's lots that be said. But let me just say two things. First of all, first of all, um, like, if you understand the, the story of Scripture, uh, you understand who Jesus is and how Jesus helps us understand the law. Um, the idea that Jesus would lower a bar is ridiculous, right? I mean, let's just call it, I was like, it's just silly. Like, can you imagine sitting down with Jesus like, oh, yeah, I died for you. Um, just do what you want, Right? Like, there, at no point does Jesus make things easier. He raises the bar because he's given us grace, and you can't pay back grace. And so that means we have this infinite debt that we can never repay, and all of it, everything, all that I am is his. He never lowers the bar. 
So that's the first thing um, about tithing. Uh, the second thing, the second thing, and this is where Rebecca goes in her work, is that, because she, she even says, it's, less, it's not the percentage big deal, right? For her, as we think about overcoming these vices, it's just the habitual nature of doing this. Like, that's the power of tithing. It forces you, you know, once a week or twice a month or every month or whenever you get your paycheck or every time something comes into you in your pocket to be able to say, no, first I'm going to give some away. And if you do that with every paycheck, you will not be the same person. Like, it, it will change you. You will become generous. Like, God will do that work in you and through you. And so, yeah, I mean, we could talk about tithing, but even just the habit, it builds into us, it changes us. And tithing, you know, it's not necessarily the starting point, but it's certainly not the finish point. And so some of you, you're sitting here, you've never intentionally been generous, like on a regular basis. And so I would say for you, maybe just like pick some place, some percentage today and start giving. Maybe it's 3%, maybe it's 5%, like just whatever it is. Just, just say, we're going to start here and we're going to commit to making it more, but this is what we can do today. I mean, I don't know what the specific application is for each of us in this, but this message. I just know it's not nothing, right? That God has something for us. And so pick some place. Um, and then, then that also means, and this is where it gets hard, this is where grace is so much harder than law, is that once we hit 10%, like don't think that God is like just, okay, you're good, Right? That we can always give more. We can always stretch ourselves further. Many of us can afford to do much more. Keep pushing yourself for your own good. It's so good for us to learn to give. And I know many of you do this. I mean, we have such a generous church. It makes it so fun to be a pastor, to be able to do this kind of work with you. Thank you for being, for being so generous. It's how we're able to be in five places across our city. It's the, the work that we do in our city and across the globe together. It's because of so many of you embracing this and living this out so beautifully. So thank you for that. Um, those of you who aren't, you're, you're just missing out on what God does through generous people. Join us in that. Um, and then finally, third thing. Third thing. Remember, uh, we do this not to earn from God. We don't do it so he'd bless us or save us, right? Um, we do it because it, it's what he's done for us. And when we do it, we learn daily, every single moment, to take hold of the life that's truly life. We don't miss how Paul ends this, right? Verse 19, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life, not that which pretends to be the good life. That makes a mirage of, of satisfaction, but that which is truly life. For Jesus poured everything out, gave everything for us, he died for greedy people and he rose again to enter, to help us enter into this life. And so now all we do is grace. I mean, you just, you can't outgive God. I want to close by telling a quick story. This is one of my, one of my favorite moments as a pastor. We have pastors, we do this. We kind of collect these stories along the way. They encourage us, they motivate us. Um, and this is, this is truly one of my favorites. This it began about a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half, I don't remember exactly, and a, a single mom uh, showed up at our church, and she hadn't been to church in a really, really long time, um, wasn't following Jesus, and, and her life had, had essentially just fallen apart by her own admission. Uh, and somebody invited her to church, and she came, and I mean, it was, it was kind of that environment which, in which I met her, and a couple weeks in, uh, she asked if we could pray for her. She told us a little bit of her story, the brokenness there, and her need. Um, invited us to pray. Um, and I said, yeah, of course, we'll pray. Uh, but can, can we as a church also pay your rent next month? 
Can we help you get your feet back, right? Get back on the ground. Um, because of your generosity, we can do that kind of thing. We do that often for people, and it's such a, such a joy and privilege to be able to do. Uh, but the story, it doesn't, it doesn't end there, because she kept coming. Uh, a couple months later, she, she gave her life to Jesus, and everything now, like looking back two years, like everything about her is different. She is, she is not the same person. Her family is not the same. And the ways in which she's been able to, to reclaim her life is it's, it's been amazing. Again, because, because of a generous church. But I, I remember, like, when I, you know, offering that to her, you know, if we could pay for her rent, I mean, she, she started crying, and, um, you know, it was one of those moments where, for many of us, like, we just assume the church wants something from us, right? Um, but here was a church that gave, and, um, yeah, it kept, it kept her coming back. Still, it's not quite my favorite part yet. Um, so about a month or two after um, she gave her life to Jesus, she came up to me one Sunday after church, and she said to me, Nathan, I did it. I was like, did, I mean, I was a little nervous. Like, she's brand new at Jesus. Like, did, did what, right? She said, Nathan, I, I started tithing. And I must have looked shocked because, like, she immediately followed, like, that's what we Christians do, right? <laughs> um, did I read that wrong somewhere? I mean, it was sort of that moment. I had to, like, I was just fighting back the tears. Um, I mean, it was just an unbelievable moment because at that moment, I mean, she's, you know, what, what God has done is, is, over these last couple of years, amazing, but still at that moment, she needed way more for us, from us than we needed from her. But she had taken hold of the life that's truly life. She'd experienced the generosity of Christ and wanted to be generous in return, wanted to give back so that she could also be a part of others' wholeness and health. Friends, when we take hold of that life, true life. It's what we do. We give. For he has given so much to us. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need your help. God, would you continue to show me the ways in which I grip onto my money and stuff? Would you pry open my fingers and teach me to be a generous person? God, I pray that we would see those places in our hearts and that we release them to you, knowing that whatever it is that's behind our, our, our love or pursuit of money, that whatever it is, you promise it even more. And so, Lord Jesus, we, we trust in you. Amen. Well, again, thank you for being um, such a generous congregation. Um, it's amazing to see what God does through people united together around a common mission who are willing to sacrifice uh, and to be faithful uh, to what God has called us to. Um, keep on with that. Join us if you haven't yet. Um, we're excited to see what God does in these next years ahead at Christ Community through people who long to be faithful to him. As we end our time together this morning, I want to um, read again from Paul. Paul is so good at talking about um, this subject and really his main argument for living generously. Why do we give? Um, tells us in a lot of places, but 2 Corinthians is one of my favorites. He says in chapter 8, and we go with this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He gave everything. Let us also be a people who give. Amen? Amen. Go in peace.